Welcome to the 10th episode of the Steve Sash Schwartz podcast, more notes from the underground. Today I'm going to be talking about my Time Markers series, which is a collection of paintings I did between 1987, I think, up through 1993. I tend to work in uh, really different phases and pursue them deeply. And I thought this would be a great thing to um, share with everybody. So um, these pieces, obviously, like you can call them paintings, but they're more like relief paintings, or uh, I kind of like to think of them as like compressed dioramas or something. At that period, I kind of thought people were more fascinated by dioramas and fake versions of reality, like what you see at natural history museums as opposed to paintings, and I wanted my paintings to be like compelling like that, and I wanted them to be incredibly individualistic, like nothing else that was happening in that period really looked anything like these things. And I think like when I look at them from this distance, they really reflect that period in an interesting way, and also like the texture and color of like the world I was in, and which included skateboarding and delta blues like robert johnson mixed with hip-hop and punk and even hank williams senior reading tons of philip k dick jg ballard like virtually everything being in that kind of mode right like um mid 80s late 80s early 90s so in some ways uh these really reflect that vibe when I um, look back at them from this space, like uh, in 2023. So anyway, like, yeah, they were shaped canvases. I wanted to make them um, kind of take a hold of the wall, you know, and why did everything have to be a rectangle? And I, I know that had been explored before with some minimalists and stuff like that, but uh, I just wanted to make my own spin on it. and. Uh, I was really fascinated, and I still am today, like about our inherited history and how like uh, we're standing on the shoulders upon all that or getting stamped down by all that or whatever. We have to, you can't ignore anything, right? And so um, these pieces, I really wanted to reflect that, and they're kind of like have this kind of post-apocalyptic vibe, no question about that. and. So I was really uh, obsessed with uh, early Americana and the Puritans and the early colonizers and what have you, and would be reading a lot about that. And I was just totally fascinated by like these Puritan graveyards that uh, were all over New England. And I went to college there and art school and stuff for a minute. And uh, so I got to explore like these living histories, right, of these like carved headstones from these Puritans, like they're from the 1600s uh, and so forth. And like the death heads, the iconography on them, I thought were so profound and so contemporary. And they just like eclipsed time like that. It was just amazing. And like, uh, like winged skulls, and which they called flying death's heads, and uh, all kinds of icon uh, hourglasses coffins, 
stuff like this. I mean, this is stuff you would see graffiti and stenciled all over the East Village in the mid 80s. <laughs> and the lady, not kidding. And, um, and so I thought, oh my God, like saying the same thing, it's taking it further, whatever. It's an inherited history, right? And they just look so contemporary, even though like they were carved 400 years ago and uh, into this gorgeous slate. And some of these things were so emblematic. To me, they look like African masks and stuff. And I don't even know what sense of dread that conjured up for the old Puritans. Um, and they were so stylized. You know, they didn't look like a carved angel or anything. And I thought that was just fascinating. And uh, especially when you think about like cubism and uh, that painting, the Demoiselles d'Avignon, something like that, you know, with all the African masks like faces of the figures. Um, so anyway, that really influenced these pieces. So I wanted these pieces to be like the frames to be like tombstones, right? So yeah, really cheerful. I know. <laughs> so okay, so that was going to be the border or whatever. I wanted to take control of everything, the framing, the presentation, how it's presented on the wall, the whole deal, right? So that's a big deal about shaped canvases for one thing. So like, but I also wanted them to be volumetric and feel like um, these tombstones, right? So uh, I developed this material that's kind of like, because uh, I'm really materially driven, that's based on like uh, paper mache and plaster and inks and stuff. So you can really dig into it. And paper mache is like such a, excuse me, an amazing material because like um, they found paper mache stuff in Egyptian pyramids, 2,500 years old and what have you, not even degraded. Like it's in, incredibly uh, durable for such a light fat. So I wanted something that acted and behaved like stone, but was light. You know, I didn't want my art pieces to weigh a million pounds. <laughs> that would be really inconvenient. And uh, <clears throat> right, so like I would carve uh, all this assorted iconography into my frames, right? And the frames would um, encase like an industrial landscape, some kind of a mood that was um, completely contemporary stuff, like from the built environment, right? And uh, I used um, a lot of uh, subject matter, like um, like high tension wires and bridges and cyclone fences and razor wire um, amusement park rides, roller coasters wonder uh, what do you call them ferris wheels stuff like that right and i really wanted to create yeah it was a post-apocalyptic vibe i was just doing what i was feeling it was really pared down quite minimal i just wanted like grays black it was like really heavy and bleak you know and i think i don't know that really suited my mood at the time or whatever i don't know it's just what i was painting and so uh right so these pieces back here I had a whole bunch of these, right? And I've displayed them, for example, like as a graveyard and everything. And um, I always thought, okay, you don't want this stuff to be too heavy and bleak and everything. <laughs> but yeah, I did. I wanted to make a real point you know, about our period in time, I think. Um, but at the same time, I needed them to have a life and everything. And uh, I really thought like the frames kind of 
warmed up the interiors that I thought were kind of like really stark and bleak. And I was trying to like work with like a ton of contrasts, right? Like um, glossy and matte in a formalistic sense. And then like high art, low art, so-called those kind of divisions. Um, a little folk art thing, which you would consider like a grave carver dude, like a, a folk artist, right? He wasn't like necessarily some European uh, painter trained uh, portraitist or what have you in the colonies, right? He's sitting there carving headstones. But, you know, so uh, I was really working with that kind of uh, contrast, like from that folk art thing and conflating time to like, you know, where we're at, where we're at today, right? So um, some of this iconography I would lift directly. Like, for example, this one had that kind of uh, head, and I'll show it like a close-up, which really feels like um, like an African mask, right? More than anything you'd think from uh, this like really spare Christian tradition, right? And um, as you can see in these pieces, I wanted them to be really simple and resonant, right? Like I always put them in collections because they, you know, I had quite a few, like <laughs> you could have whole graveyards of these things, but they really work great. Like just one item on a wall. They're so powerful. They're even effective in low light, like with the reflectiveness of this aluminum. Um, you know, you can see them like with candlelight and stuff. So they have that kind of personality. And I think that adds life to art, you know, just doesn't vanish. So, uh, so you can see, like, this one is really characteristic with the um, carved headstone and then, what do you call it, the cyclone fence. And that was like a roofing material I found on the roof of my loft in uh, Dumbo, Brooklyn. It was made to, like, the only purpose was to uh, insulate pipes going up to those water towers, so it's really cool. And I ended up... I don't know, the roofers left a ton of it up there and it was so malleable, so I started cutting it up and making these shapes and everything. I love the directness and stapling them on to these uh, wooden surfaces and describing these things. You know, like uh, we lived right underneath this uh, Manhattan Bridge that really had somewhat of this feel, although, of course, the color's like entirely different. <laughs> but, um, and then, you know, I would make the concertina wire and all this stuff. And this piece is called Viral Impact. And it has like a kind of prescient thing in a sense. Like, you know, if you think this was done like in 1987 or 88, and uh, look what we've just been through with COVID. So anyway, I think that's like kind of a neat thing now that I think about. It. But you can see like, okay, like for this one, this bridge, I had, what do you call it, you know, a flying dust head, which were carved all over these Puritan tombstones you see all over New England. And um, I photographed them like crazy. I had books about them and uh, put that one in there. And I think it really informs and talks about like the interior of these landscapes. And so these things are like, um, how do you say it? 
the iconographies like maybe more traditional, whereas I often I updated it and did this like <laughs> skyline of New York kind of thing or any urban kind of built environment from that sort of period uh, from the mid, you know, it looked like a lot of places, right? So, um, so I think all that is kind of like a human element, you know, a mask uh, where people live and work, a death's head, and it, it warms up in a sense, these kind of cold fences and razor wire, the germs, what have you, right? So, you know, that's like a yet another contrast like I was interested in. Okay, hello, hello. I guess you could call this part two. Um, for those that are just listening, I've rehung the installation and I've put up a significantly larger piece. Lots of these time markers were kind of like headstone size for like one individual. <laughs> so morose. And, uh, but others I just wanted to make more pictorial. And so I scaled them up and some I've made like really quite huge, like a, you know, what you'd consider a really large painting. Anyway, yeah, so this is like mid-size. And uh, this um, really denotes an extreme of the time markers because I'd have like, uh, as in the prior vid, like much more austere pieces, much more pared down palette and like a quieter vibe, more of a menacing kind of sense, I would say. And this one's obviously more post-apocalyptic and it's called The Damned Punished in Hell. And uh, I did a lot of, as I mentioned, amusement park items, roller coasters, Ferris wheels, and I really love the Wonder Wheel, especially because it's like a mandala, right? I just love that. And it transfixes you, it's hypnotic, it's fun, it's industrial. And I love the name, Wonder, it just like denotes like the curiosity of making art. So it just resonated with me on so many levels. So I made a bunch of Wonder Wheels, some uh, just by themselves and others, you know, contextualize in uh, different environments. And this one, as you can see, is uh, quite inspired by um, Ronimus Bosch and all of his netherworldly visions. And I took a bunch of his characters and slapped them on skateboarders and put them in this like Coney Island environment. <laughs> so like uh, got guys on quarter pipes and all that. And, you know, literally these things like um, I was painting from like reproductions of his <laughs> and slapping them on skateboards. And in this piece, there's like a lot of neat details, but I hope it comes out as like one whole unique thing. But like, then like, uh, this is called the house that Jack built, which was supposed to be in my mind, like another, uh, like carnival ride or experience or whatever you call those things at carnivals. And, uh, if you blew that thing up really big, that'd be like the coolest painting or graphic just by itself. Like this piece has like a lot of neat individualistic details and uh, got the helicopter sticking out. So like some of the stuff's really over the top. Love these things. Fuck. <clears throat> On the chimneys there. 
And then um, this one also, like, you can see how I use, like, different iconography that some was, like, I guess you could call it from the Puritan age and others, like, you know, the dollar signs, asterisks, heart, whatever, like, much more contemporary. But in the end, you know, I want things to have, like, an evergreen feel to them, not like, oh, that's so stale and yesterday and how boring. I still want it to be, like, alive and stand on its own merits. Okay, another rehang. Um, a really cool piece I called Desire, 1989. I was trying to pare everything down to like, what is our big motivational force in life? At the time I came up with Desire. So I kind of use that in terms of, uh, you know, with the whole vocabulary of these kind of headstones, there's all this like verbiage and describing like, what happened to the person that lived and their years and what have you. So I love using language in these frames. And I think this is the first example I've shown of this. So anyway, and then you had like the different death's head thing. And then I got really interpretive. <laughs> these figures and these long tendrils turning into breasts and eyeballs and like multi-dimensional reeds and stuff. I really like things being like, triple and quadruple entendres, I guess you'd say. And then this really clearly illustrates like what I'm talking about of inherited history or just building one thing upon the next, uh, consciously, unconsciously, whatever, just this sense of things. Uh, probably a, like a sense of simultaneity, even though we might not be aware of it. And it's like a giant blind spot, yet it's there you know, kind of informing exactly where we are now. It's pretty cool. So anyway, then um, I guess this characterizes, I would do like a lot of high rises and just like solitary buildings and stuff. And um, so this one is more ambitious. It's more like a downtown or Battery Park kind of a Manhattan skyline in a sense. <laughs> so... Um, Anyway, I'm sure that was part of the impetus. Okay, here's yet another installation. And this shows more of the amusement park type items, Thunderbolt, roller coaster, high tension wires, and just some more themes that I've been working with. And these two up on top were from, I think, 1987. So they were much more spare and austere and menacing and I really wanted to emphasize like how everything was just patched and collaged and loving hands at home right like not machined even though you're describing something that celebrates the industrial revolution right and uh, these kind of engineering marvels and whatever um, and that contrasts with these from like a couple years after that and further where you know, they got more theatrical and dramatic and uh, ingratiating, I guess you could say. <laughs> but anyway, more uh, deliberately narrative-driven, whereas these were, like, more open-ended. So it's really a matter of taste. If you like something more pared down and spare or something with a little more action and drama. All right, all right. Here's another one from... Uh, this amusement park kind of theme. 
I guess you'd call it, and it's like a drowned world theme. You could see like a J.G. Ballard sort of influence at the time. And yeah, the cyclone is actually a ride at Coney Island. I think it's still there, or it used to be. It was falling apart in the freaking 80s. I don't know how it is now. <laughs> Maybe they fixed it up. Wonder Wheel's still, still there. I think I called this piece Ride'em. It also might have been the Drowned Dream Commotion Carnival, something like that. And then you could see how I'm riffing and playing with the iconography around the side. So, like, you know, the border is always more kind of human and personalized in the interiors, and the interiors are all, like, built, right? So that's kind of like a thing. Okay, so this piece illustrates another direction that the Time Marker series went, which was in exploring these encephalopods, octopi, however you want to pluralize them. <laughs> and I did quite a few of these, and I thought they were really fun to paint, but more than that, they just... Uh, expressed so much metaphorically and uh, they just seem like really charged icons to play around with. So this piece is called Whispered Sermon and I always wanted like these things to operate on many different levels, right? So if you just read about them, Whispered Sermon, oh, sounds like a poem, sounds like something unto itself. And then coupled with this imagery, coupled with all this bizarre concentric circles, vaginal, procreative imagery, winged death heads that look kind of African, what have you. And all delivered in kind of like a simple pared down way. Some people might argue that. So anyway, I just wanted to illustrate that a little bit, show you guys what this piece is about. And um, thank you. <laughs>